It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candace, and I'm so fired up for you guys today, for I have Chase on as our special guest and wow does he ever deliver he talks us through how he went through his journey of becoming a coach owning his own gym using the power of words to transform and take control of his life and how he is bringing the primal man program to men to help get them out of the rat race and back into their mind and body this episode is pure fire and i can't wait for you guys to listen so let's get to it hello chase welcome to the positive spark plug podcast i am so excited to be having you join us and to learn all about you and all of the value you bring to the world as a coach and just as a person um i I know just a little bit about you from the level one certification that I'm doing through Enlifted Coaching and just having your presence on um, the coaching calls on Thursdays and your your advice and, and your stories that you, the sh- you share. Um, I can really tell that uh, you are a massive inspiration to a lot of people, but you are also a person that brings a lot of value and intention to what they do when they show up in life. So I'm so excited to, to you know, be able to pick your brain and, and how you do that. So thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you, Candice. I'm so very excited to be here and I've, I've been looking forward to this conversation all day. So Woo. that's all. Uh, my first question that I have started asking my guests just to kind of bring some fun in since COVID has hit is what are your three favorite emojis or the three emojis that best describe you and why? Ooh, my three favorite, my three most used are likely the 100, the fire nice, and the fist bump. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I use I use those a lot too. I'm definitely the fist pump. Um, the fire is a huge one for me as well. I like the fire. And then I'm all about the hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the blue heart is at the top of mine. Oh, nice. Why is that? Uh, blue is just has been in my branding of the gym and my personal brand for a while. And it's my favorite color when I was a kid. So yeah. Sticking with it. That's amazing. Well, Chase, can you tell us a little bit about yourself in before you became a coach? I'd love to. Going back. So my dad had a weight bench in his bedroom when I was four years old. So fitness was always something in my life. Like the local gym, we had a weight bench in the basement. Then we had a Bowflex. And at the local gym, you had to be 12 years old to go use the weight room. And on my 12th birthday, I was running upstairs at Lifetime Fitness to go use the weights. And <laughs> fitness, like just working out to work out was always part of my life. Uh, and I was a skinny kid, like eighth grade, wore a tank top to school with a buzz cut and got told I looked like I had cancer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know. Um, luckily my dad had instilled early on in life that if you let anyone get to you, they've already won. So yeah, he took the projections out real early and 
instances like that, just being a smaller guy, I wanted to start lifting weights and gaining size. And that led through a long road of discovering more self-confidence, uh, going sweat lighting the pendulum swing to too much bravado and like the, the faking it confidence, but really I was eating myself up on the inside. And I followed that 21 year old bravado into the Navy. And I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. The rules were changed five days before I went to contract in and I got dinged on a legal thing. And I'd been talking with the military for well over a year at this point. So I said, get me out of town as fast as possible. Fast was nine days. So they go, hey, you're leaving in nine days and you're turning wrenches in the engine room for four years. Oh. Cool. So I had been into fitness. I had found CrossFit before the Navy and about halfway through my term, I was fed up with a broken leadership system and uh, flawed advancement structure. And that led to me deciding that I was going to re-pursue fitness. I had been a certified personal trainer before the Navy, got my CrossFit level one in the Navy and uh, opened up a gym when I got out. And that was the very beginning of coaching, if you could even call it that back then, because I have a certain idea of what a coach should and shouldn't do. Ah, and actually, I have a question that's going to probably bring those out, which is exciting. Um, let's dive. Let's you said the word like you said, the pendulum swung one way too much. Can you describe that? Because I've started learning just a little bit about it. I heard it the one time Kerwin Irwin, uh, I think that's his name. He's from Australia. And he mentioned how he mentioned the pendulum and like how to allow yourself to get to a neutral state, even when, you know, you want to be extremely excited, how to be really excited, but keep neutral, because if you get to that way, yes, it's great. But guess what happens when you go that way, you're going to come way back up this way. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that, that, that just piqued my interest. I would love to. And you can see this in all walks of life. Uh, for me personally, it was being a young man and trying to find myself. And I started lifting weights. I got bigger, I got stronger. I won a couple fights. People started being scared of me and I leaned into that. And I was this tough guy, hothead, uh, thought I was cool. And a lot of people thought I was cool too. More people thought I was a dick uh, <laughs> because I took that I had been the quiet, unsure of myself up on the other side. And it was stuck there on the pendulum. And I, I cut what was holding it. I sprayed some WD-40 and greased it up. And it went zoom and hit the other side and stayed there. I went from being this quiet, unsure of myself to a hothead who wanted to prove himself by fighting people. And that was the other side of the pendulum swinging for me. And it took years. And even now, there's always, a, for me, and binary speak acknowledged, there, there has often been, reframe that, a little swing back and forth in the bottom. Where are we going? Where's our center? And I'm a big believer that everybody's center is going to move throughout life. You know? and, and we have to be open to that. And I was just thinking on that this morning, that who, like, who are you now and who do you want to be? And if you're going to sit as the same person that you were 10 years ago, just because it worked a decade ago, 
there's likely some growth to lean into. Yes. Yes. I like that. I like that. Yes. So how did you manage to get yourself kind of in a neutral state where you are kind of just swinging back and forth as you know, you are changing and growing as a man and as a person and as a coach. And you, like you said, your center is going to shift a bit. So how are you, how did you get from shy to, you know, kicking ass to, to neutral, this is where I need to be level headed. I can move forward in a positive manner. Definitely. This is a bit of a story. So love stories. early on running the gym, uh, the pendulum would swing one end to the other. And I would be this shut down, no emotions, running a business. And then I would have an emotional breakdown and then shut it back down. Tough guy lifting weights and then existential crisis. And in 2017, I found a barbell shrug podcast episode that Mark England was on. You know, the podcast episode that he speaks on whenever he's on podcasts and there was a discount code for core language upgrade. And I used the discount code and I went through core language upgrade twice back to back. And I started focusing on the words and focusing on those words gave some control over that pendulum and allowed me to dictate where the direction goes, because we all are dictating whether or not it swings hard. It's just whether or not you're aware of it. So core language upgrade, I played with that for a few years. And then about a year ago, had Mark on my gym's podcast and had zero idea what Enlifted was. And towards the end of it, like, hey, man, what's this Enlifted program? Like, we know you do vocabulary. What's Enlifted? Next thing you know, I'm on a one-on-one call. Mm-hmm. And then I end up in group nine of the level one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I'm you know, back last fall. I am where you're at right now. And uh, working the words, working my own story, figuring out how simple the execution of the tech can be. And with a little bit of implementation, your pendulum can sit middle. And what's really cool about that to me is instead of coming way up here when you're happy and then having this overcorrection, you can be content. And I would much rather be content than be overjoyed or happy. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yes. So I want to talk about owning a gym and be going between the two sides quiet to then all of a sudden pumping weights. How did that affect your leadership within your team as a gym? Or was it just you and your own for the business for a bit? How did that work? Great question. So it was me for the first 18 months I was in the gym 5 a.m to 9 p.m damn yeah and I told myself oh that's nothing I worked 36 hour days in the engine room I can do this Um, (laughs) meanwhile uh, my workouts were suffering I was having very poor quality sex Uh, that's yeah that's massive it's it's real yes yeah Um, and when I started getting coaches that you know, I had that I got to manage. Well, yeah, if my own pendulum is all over the place, it's going to knock them all over the place too. And I learned some very valuable lessons with some employees very early on that uh, the language has helped me realize that I could project all over them. Like, oh, they did this, they did that. 
I had a lot to learn as a manager and a leader of people. And once I took control of my center, it's much easier to effectively lead people. Yes. So I just connected something and I want to talk about it. So you mentioned that your dad took out projecting really quick. Mm -hmm. Did you notice it within your life once you started taking the words that even though he might have allowed you to kind of protect yourself from projections of others that you were still doing it to to other people you were able to save yourself but you were still the person being able to project on others did that did you notice that or is that something I'm just picking up oh you're 100% correct that you know, my dad took a part of the projections out. I'll reframe that. He gave me awareness around them. And, you know, okay, cool. Other people, when they were blatantly trying to, couldn't get to me because I was aware of it. What I was unaware of was my own tendency and the tendency that a lot of people have to be a freaking hypocrite and to see in other people what we dislike about ourselves. Yes. And then to get upset with them because we're too chicken shit to address it inside of ourselves. Yes, I love that. So let's talk about the lifted coaching and the, the power of words and you know language. How did you first take in because I know you got on a phone call with Mark he's great at getting those phone calls in with you but he's just so good at answering any questions that you have about anything really and really just allowing you to just explore what you want within the coaching program and he doesn't push you he doesn't force you he's just such an, a, a natural positive uh, energy that you just you really do just feel compelled that you know that what he's offering and what he's giving you a value is just so important. And it's like, you can feel that you're going to miss out if you don't take it. So <laughs> um, what, what was the biggest, most shift within your, within yourself when you started taking responsibility for your words and, and shifting your language? That's a great question. And one that I've been attempting to reflect on more lately, because I can see where I'm at now. And part of what, for a, a reasoning on this, part of the reason that I have an opportunity to work more on it is because one of the biggest things I learned in my one-on-one -on -one call with Mark during my level one was that I was using negations to be like, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not this, I'm not that. So I, I dropped the comparison to the past. And, and while I'm very good at owning my wins and recognizing where I am, there is an opportunity for more reflection on where I was. And I will say that the awareness opened up uh, paths for me to lean into my true power and like to truly believe in myself. Yeah. And what are some of those powers? What are you recognizing? What are you becoming more aware of? Let's celebrate them. <laughs> oh, what are those powers? The fact that I have a breadth of knowledge 
that changes lives. That I get testimonials from my clients that quite literally the other day, I got one recorded from a guy that says, I asked him, what does the primal man pathway mean to you? He said, it means that I finally know what it means to be a man. And if I have the skill set to affect that kind of change, then I can change the world. Yes, yes, you can. And you brought up a word that I actually wanted to ask you about because I saw it within your Instagram and I hear you talk about it. What does the word primal mean to you and why do you implement it into your coaching so much? Great question because, yeah, it gets thrown around out there with primal movement and primal patterns. And to me, it is pulling away the excess, taking everything binary acknowledged, taking the things that are unnecessary and pulling them out and getting back to the roots. And that's what the program is. We simplify it because any asshole can overcomplicate something. Yes. Yeah. And I know as a coach, I used to do that. And I've talked to a bunch of coaches that have done that in the past. Like, okay, well, your macros are this. Make sure you vary your fats. And oh, by the way, like for grains, let's look at these and not these and these and that, you know. Hey guys, eat your protein, drink your water, go for a walk, get your sleep, lift some weights three times a week, breathe and reflect. Yes. Yes. I love that. Now, was that a word that you started to add in? Well, I lost you. You went quiet. Hello. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I heard. Is that a word that you started to add in? And then it was like you were a mime. So the question is, um, was the word primal something you added in once you started taking the unlifted certifications into like your coaching program? And what was the difference in your coaching after taking the the certifications and what does it mean to be a coach to you beautiful question so the word primal was something that came out of enlifted yes Uh, because after enlifted i said we can whittle it down we can be super simple i did online coaching before and enlifted gave me the tools to truly move into the space i wanted to Uh, so that's that was how that went can you feed me the other pieces of the question? Um, since doing the Enlifted certification, how has your coaching changed? And what are like the necessities, the, the things, non-negotiables for you as a coach that you must be doing? Love it. How has my coaching changed? Okay. So I went through the OPEC CCP in January, 2018. And I was like, ooh, program design. Yeah, let's make all these fancy exercises fit together. And I started to realize that you can program all the coolest exercise and give them all the habits. And until they believe in themselves and have the identity to express it, it's not going to work. You can 
so many coaches start with habits. And in my opinion, they're building the ground floor of a house without laying the foundation, which is your belief system. So yes. build the beliefs first. And that I believe segues into the other part of the question that the non-negotiable beliefs are story. You must work the beliefs and the words, because if we're sitting there talking about, I don't want to be weak or I don't want to miss a workout or, and there's a rabbit hole there. Like what's like, why don't you want to miss a workout? Did you still get a couple in this week? Did you get one in this week? You're ahead yeah. of most people. Um, you know, so dial the words in and then create a rhythm. And those are the non-negotiables for me, the belief and the daily and weekly rhythm. Yeah. Working with people's belief systems, do you find, do you, how do you find you work best with them? Because I know everyone's different, but there are some people that it's just like, they're a hard nut to crack. <laughs> like that belief is just so I feel so ingrained in them. Have you feel that like it has gone easier or do you find that you still have those like shells that for some reason are just not cracking? Yeah, so there are definitely some shells that are harder to crack. Most people that come to me have seen the messaging and know at least subconsciously that we're gonna dig into that and they're open to that. And I, I take people through an hour long discovery call before we even sign up, you know, make, and to ensure that they're open to that. And the tools that Enlifted gives you being an all the right questions coach and helping people to lean into it themselves is a lot more effective because otherwise to use a, an analogy, you're like somebody right wing trying to tell somebody left wing they're wrong. Like if you just blatantly go out there and challenge somebody's beliefs about themselves, they're going to push back because that's ingrained. When you ask them about those beliefs and you have them lean into it, you have them write them down and speak through them and breathe through them. They can take that objective look from the outside. Yes. And as I love that, I love that because I'm, I'm loving the tools that I'm learning within the level one certification and I'm, I've been using them like slowly with my clients as I, I'm, I'm getting used to them within myself. Do you believe as a coach that you should have already gone through the work or are continuing to go through the work in order to really be able to coach someone else through it? Or what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Cause there are some people that are just, they're just coaches cause they want to be coaches and they don't really do the work themselves. They don't, they, they, put on a persona, I should say, of what they actually are. And then they're completely different people. So I have a, a sideways way to answer that. In the victim mentality, you always, you, there's always a victim, right? And that's easy to see the people that are like, oh, so-and-so is out to get me. So-and-so is, what does every victim require? Ah, uh, villain. A villain and a rescuer. Oh. What does every rescuer require? A victim. Uh, yeah, a victim. A victim. Yes. So those coaches that are coaches just to coach, to, that do it for the notoriety and, the, and just to have other people and say, hey, I did this for this person. I did this for that person. 
they're a rescuer in the victim mentality. And it's harder to recognize. It's harder to recognize from the outside looking in. And it's very, very difficult to recognize for yourself because you think you're helping people. Oh, that is good. I never even thought of that. I like that. I like that. So I want to talk about um, the, the identity part because we were... Okay. Hello? Yep. Um, I want to talk about identity because we talked about beliefs and how, you know, some of them can be so ingrained within us. How do we hold space for someone to shift their identity? And do you believe in holding space? Do you believe? Because I remember Mark the one time he said, I demand my space. And if that means however I demand how my space is and how I put myself into the space what do you what do you think about that when it comes to because like you said we get deep and we we let people discover some things that have been hidden and pushed down for years and sometimes when it comes out like yesterday for myself it comes out like a flood in like a tsunami like it just wild so as a coach how do you allow yourself to create that space hold that space demand that space you said it i like to think about it as creating space uh, holding space demanding space is cool for me personally creating space lands the best because that gives me in my head the most ownership over it i get to control how that space is taken in, what goes on in there, even if it is their story. I, if I create the space, I can lay down the energy and I can keep myself separated from the story in, the, in a coach role as opposed to trauma bonding and then everything spirals. Yes, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about being able to, you know, disassociate from the story that is maybe being told to you how do you not allow yourself to get wrapped up in what's being said because sometimes people say some things and it's just like on the heartstrings <laughs> breathe uh, and and this tool goes outside of coaching sessions too low and slow breath anytime somebody is talking anytime because you can truly listen objectively and Mark has said this already in your level one, there will be, you will feel some of it. Like that will happen. A little bit of empathy is good. It's when you start sympathizing and going there with them that it becomes dangerous. Ah, I like that. I like that. So when you are in the middle of coaching and you've got somebody, you know, releasing a lot of uh, emotions that the body has carried and stuff, and you're starting to see a shift, what is like the number one thing as a coach you start to do? The first thing is what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll stay quiet for a bit because you know you can do, you see it with people who are friends. You know, somebody starts getting amped up or starts going through something, and they want to be there and help and be that person right away. They're in that rescuer space. So until they've went quiet and started to process it in their head, I I create the space for them to be able to hold that and integrate it. Yes. So integration has happened and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a crazy feeling. I believe that yesterday uh, I definitely felt a, a start of a new integration that I, I, I have within myself through the one-on-one -on -one with Mark. And it's very cool to start feeling as a, as a person myself um, and really being able to like know the feeling that somebody else is going to get as I coach someone else through it. Um, how do you help someone celebrate those transitions? Because for some people, like you said, it's, it's hard for them to, to, to celebrate. They're just like, yay, one, okay, let's move on. So how do you help somebody really just integrate that, that, that process of like, things are shifting. You're going to do very well with this work, with these questions you're asking. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, how do you help them Thank celebrate you. and integrate it? It is, it depends person to person. You know, a, a very effective tool for a lot of people is what Mark prescribes in level one, go for a walk. You know, some people take naps after sessions. Uh, I, by and large, uh, prescribe a journal session. Spend some time, take some quiet time, whether it's a walk or a nap, somewhere away from devices for an hour, and then get a pen out because we just um, we just unlocked a door that had been ch chained and padlocked for years, yeah. and we we took a peek inside. There's likely some more stuff that's still going to crawl out. Yes. So what do what do you do now like you said you've taken you've opened the door you've creaked open a door how do you help someone keep that door from wanting to just shut closed again how do you work keep them from fearing up again like no i don't want to go there i don't like that how do you work through that process of just kind of you know keeping a wedge at where it's at until they're ready to move forward and open it up a little bit more well Oftentimes that door, there's a room on the other side. We could, you know, use the old closet with skeletons in it analogy. And that closet's light bulb is burnt out. So what we do is we step in, we change the light bulb and turn it on and see that all that stuff ain't as scary as it as we thought it was. Yes. So within, I like that. So how do you, how do you show within someone that it's not as scary? Cause some people's stories are very, they're very traumatizing. They can, they can be very hurtful and they could be things that, you know, they would never want somebody to even know. And so how do you shine a light on that saying, you know, it, it's, it's not that scary if it, if it, comes out of the closet if if someone finds out how do you work within that space because like you said it's it's not it's it's a process so how do you help someone with that oftentimes from what i've seen if a story is still rattling someone 
we can find two or three or 15 other stories attached to it. We can find a through line and we can keep working them and we can keep working them and we can translate them and we can create maybe soft talking knowledge. There will not be a, an affirmation to come out of every story. Some of them are playing out. I talked and breathed through it. That was a shitty time in my life and I'm happy I processed it. Even processing alone starts to turn that light back on. And we're bound to find a story in there that we can translate a line or something somebody they say about that story and flip one word at a time until we have a completely different sentence and we got a spell. We got a spell that gives us power. And that is the enlifted difference in affirmations because we can create affirmations that are truly fucking powerful for people. It's not oh, yeah. some like surface level, I am happy, I am this, I am that. We take your story, we take pieces of it, we breathe through it, and then we decide we're gonna take this little sentence and we're gonna turn it into something that looks nothing like it and at the same time is still tied to that meeting. Yes, yes. It's such a it is such a beautiful transition. Like yesterday's story. Um, I, I I went through it with Mark and it we started talking about business to first start when he first asked me like what was something that you would like to first talk about on and off of the Google Doc and I mentioned my scattered brain within my uncertainty of where I want to take my coaching how I want to approach it I want to work with youth I want to work with like my within my DSW like in my mind was just like all over and I made the noise ah <laughs> and, and Mark got me to repeat it and he's like can you do that again and I did it and he's like where do you feel that and he, it was just like uh my whole body like I'm just I feel like yeah told me to express my my emotion I feel scattered I feel crazy I feel trapped and it just like took off from there and it was like google doc what like but the thing is is even though we didn't like focus on like where i wanted to go specifically in my job the realization of what it came down to is of i'm good enough and it brought me through a whole bunch of emotions of my dad and his cancer journey and the passing of him came down to i'm good enough really had once I'm the person that fell asleep after the course because it just mentally flooded me but I woke up today with a very clear sense that no matter what area I choose to go in I'm good enough to go in that journey and it is just such an enlightening feeling and it's been a very long time since I felt that that's beautiful and you said, you're like, even though we didn't talk about the business, because your problems aren't what you think they are. For anyone listening that hasn't experienced story work yet, you wonder why you're stuck in life. You're like, oh, I just need to work on this piece more. Mm, I'd wager a large sum of money that there's, there's more to it. And there's a story from 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50 years ago that is holding you back, that is creating so much noise and taking up so much mental real estate that you don't have the energy for anything else. Yes, it, it, and it's so true. And, and another thing that I've started to realize is you start to become, once you 
allow yourself to be okay with going into your stories and, and talking about them and, and sharing them and having somebody that's willing enough to create a space for you to let what needs to happen happen which is a very powerful thing also that i find within the lifted coaching is like you let it happen and letting having someone let you do that and then being able to take it in is just it's so powerful i i got that i'm good enough no matter what decision i joined but also the the fact that i'm like oh my god I didn't even really recognize that that those incidents, even though I, I didn't really realize, had played out so much in my life since those moments, since those incidents. And I didn't even recognize until I started being able to reflect back and be like, okay, I see. And I've had memories come to me being like, that's that's where there that's where one of those uh, fears of you not being good enough came through and I I had one when with like my ex fiance a memory coming through and I was like oh my god yeah there's where I definitely played a role in that part right and it was just very very cool it's a very interesting thing I'm still feeling the shifts within myself and my mind process and it's just very neat very very neat and so i want to talk about that so like i said how do you help someone celebrate their wins but how do you continue going forward you are now in the room you've got the light on you got someone knowing that it's not as scary as you think they're feeling the enlightenment how do you go forward with that person how do you take the next step how do you create the room i should say design the room <laughs> it's <laughs> Oftentimes, once once you're in the room and you've got the light on, it it takes you like just pointing a finger and barely even pointing a finger, asking them which direction they want to go in. And they grab a broom and start cleaning the room up for themselves. And you're there to facilitate, to help the steps of the story come out. And once people have that door open, they're like, oh yeah, this story and that one and that one, because to your point, when you have the awareness around, oh, this story held me back and this story held me back, or it held me back here and it held me back here, you're going to have more awareness around, oh, there's other stories rattling around in there. Because now you know what that feels like. You realize that it wasn't that person or that situation. And you start thinking, well, if it wasn't this story, which story was it? And you start leaning into it. And then we start building a whole new house. Yes. I love, I love the feeling of building a new house. <laughs> yeah, it, it may be my reticular activating system that I'm saying that because I move into our new build uh, on the 31st. So, <gasps> Well, that's exciting. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I just have a, a couple more questions um, before we get going, and then I will see you back on at four for our yeah. certification call. Um, but I want to ask you um, to share, if, if you can, either share one of your most, like, pivoting moments in your life or, like, one of the most, like, proud moments as a coach within seeing someone else pivot within theirs. Yeah. Uh, I would love to share the story that was my Billy story from my level I one. I would love that. 
So it was the Navy story. It was, I spent a year distancing from friends and family, running, swimming. I sold the car. I said I would never sell to pay for LASIK surgery. And then I walked into the to MEPS to process in military entry processing station. And it was January 26, 2010, I think. And the recruiter said, sorry, new instruction came out. Your misdemeanor arrest from three years ago is no longer waverable. Now, mind you, I've been talking with the Navy for over a year. It was on the on paper yeah. because I hadn't signed anything. Nope. So four grand out of pocket for LASIK because this was 2009, 2010. It was still expensive back then. Um, you know, a, a year away from social circles. I was, I went home that night. My dad was flying. He's a pilot for United. And I was eating dinner with my mom, my sister, and my little brother. I'm 21 years old. And I go out in the garage. And in the middle of dinner, I go out to the garage and I break down. I start hitting stuff. My second cousin, who was working missile defense at the Pentagon, handed my, my package to the deputy chief of naval personnel, an admiral. Yeah. And the admiral goes, oh, sorry, don't believe his story, can't help him. Because the story was one the recruiters told me to write to push it through quick, and the admiral could tell. So this story pervaded my life. And I was unaware of it. And the story was that no matter what, what effort I put in, what I do, the destiny is predetermined. Why even try? So I would, I would, do, I would do my job, but I wouldn't really show up. That story is now flipped to one of my biggest wins because I fucking did it. Like, I qualified. I, I went from running like an 11, 12-minute mile to running two miles in 13 minutes with a backpack on full of swim gear and other stuff, swimming for like half an hour to 45 minutes, and then running the same pace home, and then going to the garage and doing push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups till I was blue in the face. And I carried that level of athleticism into the Navy until my command told me, hey, uh, you're too good at turning wrenches, so you're not going to buds even if you do qualify. So, yeah, so that was fun. And it was part of that story that kind of irked me. And the beginning part of that story and what it means to me, and it was one of the wins I celebrated on my level two one-on-one with Mark. What it means to me is I fucking did it. And what, if I want to do something, I will do it. Yes, yes, yes. I want to talk, I, you brought that up. How... How do you allow yourself to make an experience that, you know, you feel is just like breaking you down, holding you back? How do you, how do you get it to flip into a win or a celebration? How do you change that? I know with words, but how do you get it to like feel it and, and be able to talk about it without that energy again? First step, get it out of your head and onto paper. Nobody, barely anybody writes things down these days. So you're ahead of a lot of people when you write it down. And essentially four-step it. You know, after you write it down, speak it back out loud and speak it to yourself and speak it to yourself until it stops holding power. 
because so often those stories that hold power over us are in our head. And it's the same thing that happens in like social circles and relationships. People create these stories in their head around, oh, so-and-so doesn't like me just because they don't talk to them, right? And then that, that other person goes, oh, well, they must not like me because they don't talk to me. And next thing you know, you have two, two people that are catty and yeah. gossip about each other. And really, when you talk to either of them, you're like, you two will be best of friends. You just have never had a real conversation and have too many stories in your head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How do you help? One, one other question. How do you help or do you find that there are some stories that people just like to grasp on to for whatever reason? They just, they, they, you might feel that you're getting some transition and then all of a sudden it's like, bam. So it's like it's there again and they're grasping back on just like they were when they first came to you. I have yet to see it go back that far. And the victim mentality is as addictive as crack cocaine. So, yeah, I mean, rel relapse is real, right? Yeah. You know, so there are times where you get on a call with someone and by the end of the call, they're like, oh, wow, I really needed that. I had started slipping again. You know, it, I mean, in some ways you're like a, a alcoholic anonymous sponsor for these people in the sense that you keep them away from that addictive vic victim mentality. Yeah. Can you describe the victim mentality? The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which an individual tends to regard themselves as the negative actions of as, ooh, rewind. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which an individual tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. Yes. They just, they, they like to just put and place themselves anywhere that they can as long as they're going to get that intention that attention yes um i want to talk about your the the thing that i saw on your facebook that's gonna kind of hopefully wrap it up before i ask my last question and now i gotta figure out where i wrote it down um so what have you, why did you decide to make your coaching about um, turning people into, um, what does it mean by burning out, like helping someone burn out and live life to the optimum, like optimization? Yeah. Um, so fighting the burnout? Yes. Yeah. Well, so many guys are walking around literally losing themselves to win the rat race. And we, we chase these things that we're, we thought we were supposed to go after the car, the house, the family, the job, the, the paycheck, the vacations. And like that word right there, vacation, vacate. If you're building a life that you need to vacate, there's something wrong. So what we do is realign and help guys create clarity around how they can build a life they love so that when they do go on trips, when they travel, because that word vacations is, and if you start thinking about it, kind of sinister, take out the kind of. So when they travel, they're able to enjoy it. When they have time 
in that car that they can afford, they're able to enjoy it. Because when we don't enjoy our lives, we take that nice car and we use it as an escape. And then we associate our accomplishment with pain. So. Yeah, that I love that. So within, within the, the man, like, like you said, what a man thinks that he should be striving for the car, the vacation, that, that specific type of family. Do you find that it plays a huge, like the words that they've been told within their life, the way that they've grown up, uh, the way that they were parenting, whether their dad was that like, no emotions, don't show anything. Do you find that that is a massive thing? Or do you find that it's like their parents' projection of like, I didn't, I didn't have that. So this is what you should have kind of thing. Both. You know, it, it is definitely, it's oftentimes the story they were told by their parents to go do this and go do that, you know, the media and school. And I mean, we could, we could dedicate an hour to the education system and how it programs people to show up in a brick building for eight hours, listen to someone else and do as they're told. Uh, and when you're brought up in a system like that and brought up by parents who were in that system and their, their parents were in that system. Yeah. It's, it's quite literally programming and it's spell casting and you're spelled into this existence. And until you can dispel it, well, you're going to be wondering what's wrong. You're going to get that job or that house or that car or that smoking hot wife and wonder why you're still unhappy. And that's where these guys end up in destination addiction, where it's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And all the while they're at the next thing, bitching about everything else. Ah, oh, I love that. Do you believe that you have to, to live an opt like a life of optimization, you have to have a, a primal state of fulfillment. And how do you get that? How do you get that? So I come from the fitness scene and while I have left behind the performance, super customized workouts, all that, I have the ability to do that. I spent a lot of money learning how to do that. Uh, so having a fine-tuned body helps because at the end of the day, stress impacts our nervous system. And if we're unable to process that stress in a healthy way, well, it's going to store. So creating a resilient body helps so we can hold the space and create the space to have a resilient mind and a resilient spirit, resilient soul. Dialing in that nervous system, create more resiliency, helps us create space to do whatever we want. Do you find that um, people are not sure of what it even means to be fulfilled? So that's why they're living a life of emptiness or confusion or of uncertainty. Yes. When I was on the Icon Fitness podcast with Joel Cochran, he asked me, what hell do you solve? And I said, the hell that I solve is when you look at a man and you ask him if he knows who he's supposed to be, who he at his soul is meant to be, not who he's been told to be. And he responds with a blank look. You can tell he's rattling around inside his head, realizing he's never really thought about that. 
glasses over and then quietly just goes, no. That's the hell that I solved. Because to your point, people don't know what true fulfillment or a sense of purpose is. I was gonna, I was gonna talk about purpose and just kind of tie that in. Do you feel that once somebody starts getting an idea of how they, how they should be fulfilled in life and what actually brings them fulfillment, do you find that it's easier for them to find their purpose, or do you think that they need to find their purpose first in order to fulfill themselves? That's a tricky one. And I believe it'll depend on the individual. Some people may land in a spot where they're, oh, wow, this feels really good. Oh, this is what I meant to do. While others, and I believe the bulk of people, will have an internal calling, uh, a sense of, I want to do something else. And when they figure out what that something else is, they can lean into that purpose and create the life they were meant to live. Now, does your purpose... Is your purpose connected to the center, like the pendulum, and does it shift? Or does your purpose kind of stay the same and how you get and create your purpose, live out your purpose, shift within it? Yes, <laughs> to both. I believe that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, I believe you're going to have a, a central purpose, right? And off of that, there will be deviations of how you express that purpose so yes to both i like that i like that well i want to say thank you so very much uh for joining me but i do have one last question for you before we hop off and that is what is your perspective on positivity what is my perspective on positivity Positivity is overpumped by influencers and coaches, well-meaning coaches, and it's valuable. And polarity is more valuable. Being able to recognize that negative stuff when it comes up and see it for what it is and learn from it. Because if we're the person that just walks around happy, 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 putting a smile on, and it'll work for a while until the rails come off because we're back to the pendulum now. If you're over positive and you're forcing it, you're going to fly back to the other side. Yeah. So I like to look for a, a sense of being centered more than being positive. I like that. I like that. Well, Chase, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing all the value that you did. I'm excited for my listeners to hear this, and I'm excited for us to continue to get to know each other and work together. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you and keep continuing to, you know, shine light uh, into men's life and really allowing them to see all that they bring to the world and, and how important uh, how important it is for our world as a collective and as for women and for men in general to really just show up as who they truly are and, and not what they're told to be. So thank you so much for being a light and, and allowing men to come to you for a safe space and, 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 you know, recreating themselves and just being present. Just thank you. It's, it's amazing because you are, you're, you're shifting the world. So thank you very much. Candice, I appreciate that, those accolades. I appreciate your time and your space today. 
this was an amazing conversation and uh i'm i'm very much uh thank you for having me as part of your journey because I, i'm looking forward to seeing it progress and what you do with this work have an excellent day you too Oh, wasn't that just freaking fantastic? Oh, I absolutely loved chatting with Chase. I loved absolutely everything he brought to this podcast episode. He is such a man of wisdom, and I hope you guys took some of that wisdom and start implementing it into your own life. Start taking the words and the way to speak and start implementing it into your own life. And I hope that this episode made you think a little bit about your own life and how you can make it just one percent better by being you and loving you and working on you if you enjoyed this episode please let us know by tagging us on instagram at coach underscore chase underscore tolson is for chase and for me it's at spark plug wellness please write and share rate and review this podcast it certainly does help get the value of my guests out to more listeners and it lets me know i am on the right track of providing you guys with stuff that you guys are interested in listening it is now time to go out and do something and be positive